1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 236, and today we are talking about great books to give as gifts for the holidays. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. How's it going? going great how about with you pretty good (laughs) um I've been super lazy it's like not as many things go on in the world of books and publishing at the end of the year so I've had a little more time to read and watch elementary which I talk about all the time so I won't bore anybody with that but oh my goodness it's so good (laughs) (laughs) I've never watched it but uh, your recommendations
2: are usually solid so I should give it a shot
1: It's, you know, I had a lot of, like, things that I prejudged before I even saw it, you know, so it has not done many of those things, which I really appreciate. Also, it has Risa Safons who I think is, like, one of the sexiest men on the planet, um, which is, he's just a weird, pasty, blonde guy, British guy, Um, but for some reason, I don't know, man, he's just, (laughs) (laughs) he's awesome. So... We are going to talk about great books that you can give us gifts this year. Uh, Before we do that, I want to tell you about our first sponsor.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kalyan Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet. We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends, With A Prank That Goes Wrong, there are Dark Secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I Know What You Did Last Summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode.
1: Okay, so... Like I said, gift guide. Gift guide in the form of talking gift guide, I guess is what this is. Um, I'm going to kick it off with a philosophy cookbook, which sounds strange, but once I tell you what it is, it won't sound that strange. It is Forking Good, an unofficial cookbook for fans of The Good Place by Valia Lupesco and Stephen H. Segal. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that we love The Good Place. It's a great TV show. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, One of the main characters, Chidi, is a philosophy professor. And also, they live in this place where they have the most ridiculously hilarious restaurant names. And there's a lot of things about food in the show. And the authors of this cookbook have made recipes that are sort of... uh, They have... um, philosophy puns like for names like macaroni and socrates and i think therefore i clam chowder uh, and so each thing is like an actual recipe that you can make but they also explain like the philosopher behind the the recipe or the philosophical concepts behind the the recipe um so you're like almost like learning it's like getting a cheaty lecture um So, even even if you don't watch The Good Place, which again, I highly recommend that you do, uh, it's really fun. So, it is called Forking Good, an unofficial cookbook for fans of The Good Place by Valia Lupesco and Stephen H. Seagal. Well,
2: that's fantastic. I love The Good Place, did not know that existed. Um, So, (laughs) my first pick is one of my favorite mystery thrillers of this year and it's american spy by lauren wilkinson i just love this book so much um actually read it on audio and the audio narrator is bonnie turpin and she does an excellent job so this is kind of um, a spy story but it's also um A bit of a mystery and it's about a young black woman who's working for the fbi in the late 1980s and she is recruited by the cia to spy on the president of burkina faso um while he is in the u.s and then she eventually um goes abroad to kind of try to continue her relationship with him and along the way she's um having to confront a lot of conflicted feelings and ideas about like what it means to be a good American, what it means to be a good person. um, And, also, the really interesting thing about this novel is that it is sort of dual timeline. So she's recounting the story to her two young sons, uh, which um, is a few years after like the main action of the book. It's just a really great book. If you like historical fiction, if you like thrillers, if you like mysteries, I highly recommend it. And that is American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson.
1: My next pick is The Beautiful Ones. Prince's memoir that came out this year um, sometimes when celebrities pass away I don't feel great about when they publish like their diaries or you know other things that they have written that they did not intend to see the light of day however uh, Prince was actually working on this memoir it had been announced um, he was working on this when he passed away uh, and they did finish it up they added a lot of photos. Like, I got this book in the mail from the publisher. It's like a little over 200 pages. It weighs more than any other book that I have picked up this year. The paper, all the paper is really beautiful. It's glossy and it's just absolutely gorgeous. So it weighs a ton. I was like, what is in this package? And then I saw it was the Prince member and I was so excited because he was so great. And it's, you know, some of his writing that he was doing, but also uh, never seen photos. Uh, there's uh, like scrapbook things, uh, lyric sheets. And again, like the stuff that he had started to write before he died. Um, So if you love Prince or, you know, someone who loves Prince or you just want to, you know, check out a piece of musical history, it is The Beautiful Ones by Prince. Now, we have a whole
0: bunch more books to tell you about. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring
3: this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show.
1: Okay, so, uh, Tirza, you're up!
2: All right, so my next pick is Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal, and I have been recommending this one all year long. It is a contemporary retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but it's set in Pakistan. And what I love about this book is it's a little bit meta, it's very clever, Um, you know, it's very obviously a retelling of Pride and Prejudice as far as like the characters and the plot, it follows the original text pretty closely, Um, but the characters are also like aware of pride and prejudice and they talk about the original text and they make connections and so it's it's very clever and sort of self-aware in that sense but uh it's really just a fantastic novel that illuminates um, culture and traditions that I personally wasn't very familiar with. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Pakistan, but I learned a lot in this book. And it was also just really fun to learn about society and culture through this lens of a classic novel that I happen to love. And it also does a really good job of staying true to the whole um, you know, Austin's original intent of social satire. Uh, but it also has a really good romantic um, subplot as well. And I think my favorite character in this retelling is the um, Charlotte Lucas character. Uh, I think the author did such a good job with her. So um, if you like romance, if you like, um, you know, classic retellings, definitely pick up Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal.
1: My next pick is my favorite picture book of the year. It is Cats Are a Liquid by Rebecca Donnelly and Misa Saburi. And it is exactly what it sounds like. Because if you have cats or spend any amount of time looking at pictures of cats on the internet, you have definitely seen those photos where cats fit themselves into the most ridiculous spots. My favorites, of course, are the ones that are glass. And you can see them like when they fit themselves into a vase or or a mug. Uh, many people have seen the pictures of my cats on the internet. They like to sit in mixing bowls and they like pour themselves right in there. And so this is a funny picture book about how cats do that very thing, but also it is inspired by the Ig Nobel Prize winning investigation of cats how of cats how? Of how cats behave like liquids. And it, it's kind of like in nice this little rhyming thing, uh, like cats fill, cats spill, cats flow downhill, cats tip, cats drip, cats grip, sniff, rip. And cats are liquid, except when they're not. Uh, and they've done this adorable job of these photos where, you know, they're holding cats and, you know, the cat is like, it looks like to be three feet long the way they're holding it or, like, it's wrapping itself around something. Because my cats do that very thing. My cat's Diva and I watch him and, like, I can't I can't figure out if he's, like, a slinky or a caterpillar or what, but, like, he will. I will open a little drawer in the dresser and he will immediately try to shove himself into it and like stretch himself out so far and then all of a sudden like his back end just goes broop, like back into it too it's just like follows behind closely and he's still he's like a snake or something i don't know cats are weird they're freaky if you think about them too much like like sometimes i'll be watching them and i'm like they have independent thoughts and they are moving about the house of their own volition <laughs> and it's kind of strange and also there was that great um science comics book that came out this year about cats Which was basically like, haha, you're so funny if you think that we've actually domesticated cats. And if they were larger, they would eat you. So I just, I love cats. And this is so cute. It is Cats Are Liquid by Rebecca Donnelly and Misa Saburi.
2: I love your cats on Instagram. (laughs) Thank you. So, yeah, they're so funny. Um, So I'm going to keep on the whole children's young readers train and say my next pick is Two Night Owl from Dogfish by Meg Wallitzer and Hilary Goldberg Sloan. Um, This is a fantastic novel for middle grade readers, young readers, like I would say, elementary, lower middle school. And so it's about um, two girls who kind of enter into this like reverse parent trap situation where they realize that their dads are dating and their relationship might be getting kind of serious because they're sending both of their daughters to the same summer camp in Michigan. And um, they want their daughters to get to know each other because maybe one day they will officially, um, you know, make their family a little bit more official. And so the girls, of course, Um, are from opposite ends of the country and they are like, no way, no how. And so they start emailing each other kind of as a plan to be like, we don't want our dads to get married and we aren't going to become friends and we'll go to the summer camp, but we won't talk to each other. And so the entire novel is written back and forth in letters and emails and uh, the girls give each other sort of code names, um, Night Owl and Dogfish. And it's just so, so funny and so, so charming. And I loved how their relationship played out from like, no, we're not going to be friends to really becoming friends and like sisters and sticking up for each other. And all I will say is that the book does not exactly go where I think a lot of people would expect it to go. But I kind of loved that about this novel. So that is Two Night Owl from Dogfish by Meg Wolitzer and Hilary Goldberg Sloan.
1: Okay, I'm going to make a sharp turn into very serious things. Um, if you have someone in your life who likes to read history, or if you want to learn more history about the United States, I highly recommend The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee, Native America from 1890 to the Present by David Truer, uh, which, as we are recording this, it is Wednesday the 20th. The National Book Awards are this evening. Uh, I was supposed to be there, but I do not feel well, very sad, but let's not talk about that. Um, And it is a finalist for the 2019 National Book Award for for fiction, oh my goodness, for nonfiction. And so, by the the time you hear this, maybe he will have won the award. Um, it was also long listed for the 2020 Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence. Basically, um, David Truer is Ojibwe from the Leech Lake Reservation in northern Minnesota. I would never have read this book if it was not written by a Native person. Uh, and he talks about how, basically, after the Massacre of Wounded Knee in 1890, history books don't mention what happened to Native people. Like, after that. Like, they didn't disappear. There's st- They were still there. They are still here. But history has treated them like, oh, well, there was this big massacre and then that was kind of it. And, you know, th- they don't exist in history books anymore. So this is an account of what Native peoples have been have been doing and what uh, Native American history, you know, for the last 120 years. It is fascinating. I think it's very important. Like, I, you know, you don't... Re- like, some things you don't realize until they're pointed out to you and it's like, that's correct. All we do about native history is way 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 old so i highly recommend this book it is the heartbeat of wounded knee native america from 1890 to the present by david truer good luck to him tonight all right
2: so my next pick is magic for liars by sarah gailey and I really liked this book because it mashes up two of my favorite genres, um, which are mysteries and fantasy. And so it's an adult novel, but it's about a school for magic uh, where there has been a mysterious death. A teacher has died and the Magical Council has ruled that, you know, she must have been practicing with some, you know, complex, deep magic that was way above her. And she got in over her head and the spell backfired. However, the headmistress of the school doesn't believe that's true. So she hires a, a private investigator named Ivy Gamble. And Ivy does not possess magic. So in this world, you know, people with magic exist kind of alongside um, – People who don't have magic, they're just a little bit more obscured, sort of like Harry Potter-ish. Um, but Ivy doesn't have magic. However, she knows magic is, exists because her twin sister... Tabitha has magic and is actually a teacher at the school as well. So Ivy and Tabitha have this really sort of awkward, complicated relationship. Ivy has always resented Tabitha for having magic when she doesn't. And she has a lot of hang-ups about, you know, her self-worth and the direction her life has gone because of it. But she accepts the job because a murder investigation or a possible murder investigation is a pretty big job. And so once she gets there, she's kind of bluffing her way through, um, And trying to figure out, you know, did she die by some sort of magical misfire or was it murder? And so, of course, she has to confront her sister and her complicated feelings and this mystery of what was actually going on at the school. Um, I am a rather new... Sarah Gailey fan, but I have loved everything, every book of theirs that I have read, and so this was no exception. It's one of my favorites of this year. So if you have a fantasy fan on your um, holiday shopping
1: list, definitely pick up Magic for Liars. Sarah has three books coming out next year. They are very nonstop, very busy, and like different age groups. I believe I can't remember what the yeah. first one is, but. There is, um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting all the titles. But the one when about we the librarians on horseback is the one that right the why I when we were magic. And then the the upright women wanted, I think it's called, about the librarians yes. who ride on horseback. And then there's another one coming out at the end of the year, but I can't remember what that one's called. But I'm excited about all of them. I and love my, it. <laughs> my next pick is another history book. If you like military history or just great biographies, or just learning. It is All Blood Runs Red, The Legendary Life of Eugene Bullard, Boxer, Pilot, Soldier, Spy, by Philip Keith, excuse me, Phil Keith, and Tom Clavin. I got it really excited. I don't know why I said Philip. Um, So, I love learning things that I don't know, and I did not know anything about Eugene Bullard. He was the son of a former slave and an indigenous Creek woman in Georgia, uh, Not a great time to grow up in Georgia, being African-American. He ran away from home when he was 11. Eventually, his travels uh, landed him in Europe. And he became very famous there for being a boxer. He was a great boxer. And then later, signed up during World War I and became the first African-American fighter pilot in history. Came back from the war. He was a celebrated hero. But he did all kinds of amazing things after that. Just like a really fascinating man, and like I said, I had never heard of Eugene Bullard, uh, and I was really glad that that I read this uh, because he did all. He was a spy. He worked in like he was just amazing. So it is all blood runs red: the legendary life of Eugene Bullard, boxer, pilot, soldier, spy, by Phil Keith and Tom Clavin.
2: Excellent. So my next pick is Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Erin Hicks. And this is a graphic novel. And it is a delightful graphic novel. It's very fall centric. So Um, we're like kind of crossing holidays here because it takes place on Halloween. Uh, But it is one of the most charming stories I have read all year long. So if you know somebody who likes YA stories and graphic novels, this is a winner. It is about two best friends named Josiah and Deja. And they work at, like, the Disneyland of Pumpkin Patches in their small town. And it's their final night of the season, and it's also their senior year of high school. So it's really the last night that they'll ever be working together at the Pumpkin Patch. And Deja wants Josiah to go for it and make his move with his longtime crush. And Josiah is a little bit more reserved and nervous. And he just, you know, loves the job so much. And he really wants to focus on having like a good night um, as an employee. And Deja's like, no, no, we're going to seize the day. This is our last chance. And so they go on this epic adventure throughout the pumpkin patch over the course of their final shift. And it is full of mishaps and funny encounters, and this goat that has gotten loose and is wreaking havoc on the pumpkin patch. And it's just so funny and charming. And it will, it's the type of book that will make you go, ah, at the end, which um, is just fantastic. So, also, the art is really, really awesome. Um, so, again, that's Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Erin Hicks.
1: Did you see that video that was going around a few weeks ago of the moose eating the pumpkins? Yes. Standing there. Like, there was a whole bunch of them by someone's mailbox, and he was just, or she, was just having a great time. Just Like, like they looked so small next to the moose, and they were just like, crunch, crunch, crunch. It was amazing. We have moose around Uh, here, but I never get to see them. Like, I've seen them, like, one or two times near where I live, and then a few more times further up Maine. But they're so interesting to look at and not to be tangled with
2: (laughs) yes i they're in michigan but i live too far south in michigan to have ever spotted one here in the state but i spent a month in alaska earlier this year and i had two very close encounters with moose and they were very intimidating but very majestic
1: yeah that's that's a good way to put it like they're they're just so cool So my next pick is my obsession of 2019. (laughs) You all know what I'm going to say. It's Gideon the Ninth by Tamson Muir. So if you have somebody in your life uh, who enjoys horror or science fiction or fantasy or those books that are like WTF, this is the novel for them. And also, I keep saying, like, if you have someone in your life to get gifts for, but uh, I, I just like to buy books for myself. Basically, like, I'm like... All for me. I listen to these things and I'm like that's what I want that for me and that for me. So hey, if you we're not judging. If you want to get this for yourself, go right ahead. So this is just a banana pants fantasy novel about a necromancer named Harrow and her cavalier Gideon, the Gideon Nav, and they live at the Ninth House. The emperor has put forth a contest where all the heirs to the houses, you know, 2 through 9, uh, go to the first house and try to figure out this sort of mystery of the house and whoever can unlock it gets immortality and to be by the Emperor's side. Um, so things are not going to be as easy as they sound. First of all, Harrow and Gideon do not get along at all. They hate each other. They've grown up uh, where Harrow just torments Gideon constantly. Um, but Gideon wants to leave and this is her best chance Because Harrow has told her that she can leave the planet, or leave the house, uh, once they win. So she's very excited about this. But, like, there's going to be a million skeletons and lots of blood and goop and all kinds of banana things. It's like a goth, haunted version of the Westing game, basically. Uh, If, like, really horrible things happen to everybody. (laughs) But also, it was super, super funny. Gideon is remarkably sarcastic. And it's so great. And for those of you who have read the book, I will tell you that the second book, Harrow the Ninth, which comes out at the beginning of June, uh, is even better. And I know that sounds bananas, because I've done nothing but rave about this book all year. And when the editor told me it was better, I was like, blowing smoke. No! it is. It, it's so hard to explain. It's very different than this first one, but... It's so exciting because it's so good. But in the Ninth, so great. It's by Tamson Muir. Just everyone should read it.
2: And I totally read it because you were shouting about it so much. And I also <laughs> loved it. So cosign.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those books that so many people have said to me, I don't read science fiction. I don't read horror. I don't know why I loved this book. And I think that is a testament to her writing.
2: Totally. Definitely. Yes. So, okay. Excited for that one. Um, My next pick is In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. And this is a memoir. And I think it's just so, so brilliant. I read it in almost one sitting, I had to stop very reluctantly. Um, but then I came back and I stayed up till 1 a.m. to finish. It is the memoir of her time when she was a graduate student. She went to the Iowa Writers Workshop and she um, became involved with this woman who was abusive, um, you know, emotionally um, verbally, um, occasionally physically abusive. And it's just this really beautiful memoir told through um, various literature tropes and literary devices. Like each chapter um, kind of focuses on a different trope or device. And to tell about this relationship from how it started to how Carmen eventually got out of it and what she did after, um, I don't know if anybody, if you've read the um, first novel or the first book that she put out, which was *Her Body and Other Parties*, that was a National Book Award finalist a couple of years ago. It was brilliant. Um, so, if you kind of, if you like that sort of. Um, how do I want to describe it? It's it's sort of episodic, but it's also kind of experimental in structure. Like her memoir is very similar and it just tells a really fascinating story, but also a really important story about how um, we don't often talk about domestic abuse between queer couples and um, sort of the implications of that and why we don't talk about it, how we think about domestic abuse, why it's important to, you know, share these stories and sort of expose the world to them so we can you know, fight to eliminate domestic abuse of all types. So I just think that if you have somebody who is literary minded, loves memoirs, um, it's kind of, you know, it's not one of the heaviest memoirs I've ever read, but it is about domestic abuse. So know that going in. But it's also this really gorgeous, um, brave and fantastic book um, about a really important subject. And I have been recommending it left and right since I finished. So that's... In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado.
1: Okay, my next pick is The Octopus Museum, poems by Brenda Shaughnessy. This is a collection that she wrote uh, basically as a mother um, and the fears that she has for her children, how we've sort of always been worried about things for ourselves and for our children, um, you know, nuclear war and school shootings and pollution and how they are now happening all the time uh and 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 much worse than than they used to be and now as a mother she's hyper aware of all these things and so she writes these poems about a future in which cephalopods are now in charge um we've all seen the videos of octopi octopi you say octopuses right i don't know i feel like somebody told <laughs> me once you don't say octopi anyway of you know you've seen the video of an octopus that can like open a jar, uh, let itself out of its cage, and change... color. Like we know how smart they are. It's kind of creepy and amazing. And so in this future, in her poetry, um, they're basically like, humans stink. You've done a terrible job. You're not getting any better. We've had it with you. We're in charge now. But like in a much more beautiful poetic way than I like, just that was paraphrasing. Uh, and so. Kind of, she kind of like basically says, you know, we get what we deserve because we've done a terrible job, including like polluting the oceans. And so the octopuses have had enough of us. Um, and, and if you like poetry or you know someone who likes poetry, um, it's it's very interesting and beautiful. It is the Octopus Museum Poems by Brenda Shaughnessy. Alright, my next pick is The Gracier
2: by Kim Liggett, and this is a very new YA release, and it's been getting a lot of buzz because it has already been optioned for film by Elizabeth Banks, um, so that's kind of exciting. Um, Although, you know, when it comes to all movie book options, we usually kind of hold our breath until there's casting news. However, this is a really fascinating book, and Um, I could definitely see it making a good movie. It is a sort of dystopian novel that's described as a cross between The Hunger Games and um, The Handmaid's Tale, which feels... like I don't usually like it when people use big titles to describe a book, but in this case, it really works. So it's about this society called The County, and they are very rigid. Women are very oppressed, and they believe that in a girl's 16th year she possesses magic that could like basically do harm to men and make men do really bad things and so therefore all of the girls um who turn 16 they are banished from the county for an entire year to go live on this like island settlement off in the woods and they have to basically, like, relinquish their magic. And then at the end of the year, they can come back and they can become, like, docile wives and, and servants and workers. And so they they do. They just go out to this terrible settlement. But there's no you know good resources for them they really have to work hard to survive and there are also poachers who are like these shrouded men trying to capture them and if they capture them they kill the girls and kind of cut them up for parts which sounds really gruesome because it is so um this is about a protagonist named Tyranny who is undergoing her grace year and trying to figure out how to survive and then she learns a shocking truth about the reason behind the grace year and how it works. So I will have to say this book was sometimes deeply uncomfortable to read, but I could not stop reading it. And why I think it makes a great gift is because it's a really important conversation piece, I think, And it has an ending that makes you kind of go, What the heck just happened? Uh, My friend told me to read this book, so I jumped ahead of my TBR list. And when I finished it, I texted her right away and I was like, Okay, so this happens at the end. And she wrote back, No, this is what happens at the end. And we had like this huge debate, and then we both had to reread the ending like three times and talk about it. And um, yeah, and it totally just like consumed us for a couple of days. So I highly recommend it it's technically ya but i think any adult reader who likes the dystopian um, feminist type books could really get behind this one it's called the grace year by kim liggett
1: i've never seen so many people wonder if there's going to be a second book because usually in in cases like this they are like oh well it's going to be a series or it's going to be whatever but it's like the grace year it was a it was optioned before it even came out it's out and there has been no word as to whether or not there will be a second one. And I've seen so many people on the internet being like, is there a sequel? Where's the next When's the next one? You know, and she hasn't said either way. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. Um, she's, but she's like busy with the movie because I do believe like a lot of times rights to books sell, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do anything with it. They're just holding on to them. And but hers, like it was pretty much a go from the beginning. So they're
2: yeah, really excited
1: to get this out, I think. Yeah, it's um, it's a
2: good book. I don't know if I'd want a sequel, but, like, that's part of the fun about debating it. So, like, everybody should read yeah. this book. And and then, yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: So my last pick is funny and kind of dumb. And it fits because it is The Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America by Matt Cracked. And it's, uh, like, a field guide. Like, you would look up birds But they're all, like, these illustrations of regular birds, but they are called by really, like, immature, funny names. Like, for instance, um, the Canada goose is called the g damned Canada goose. And the (laughs) white-breasted nuthatch is called the white-breasted butt nugget. Like, as I'm saying this out loud, like, this is so immature. Um, And it's just, like, all these things about, look at this dumb bird. This bird is so ridiculous, and it's quite profane, but also incredibly funny. So if you have a birder in your life, or you just want a good laugh, I was like, I am not going to laugh at this book. When I read it, I was like, this is going to be immature, and it's going to be a bunch of bathroom humor, because I like to prejudge things, apparently, before I before I, I look at them. And actually, um, it's really funny, and it's, it's a good gift for stocking stuffer or whatever, um, and it is... The Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America by Matt Krocht.
2: That's fantastic. All right. My last pick is The Lost Man by Jane Harper. And Jane Harper has quickly become one of my favorite mystery writers. Um, She writes books that are set in Australia. And so this book is set um way way out on a remote cattle station and it is about three brothers who have all inherited land from their family's cattle station the oldest brother is the protagonist and he one day co- goes to like this very remote spot in between his land and his um two younger brothers land and they discover the body of his his younger brother there. And so clearly he's been left out in the wilderness and abandoned with no supplies, no nothing. And it's so remote and in the desert that if you do that, basically you are condemning somebody to death. So he goes to his family home and he has to, um, you know, interact with all his family, deal with this tragedy, but also kind of figure out like, who would have wanted his brother dead and who would have left him out there and why. And, of course, this is all compounded by the fact that there aren't very many people where they are, so there aren't that many suspects. And he has his own sort of... Um, humiliating shameful past that he's also trying to get over and um, has been avoiding for years and now he has to confront if he's going to figure out who killed his brother so i love a good mystery where the setting feels like a really um like tangible place from my living room couch and I have never been to remote cattle station in Australia, but I totally felt like I was there. And I think Jane Harper did such an amazing job with this book. Um, it was a really good mystery. I, I mean, you might be able to see who the murderer is, but it's one of those books where I did figure out who the murderer who you know, the murderer was and why and everything about three quarters of the way through. But I wasn't quite sure how it would all come together at the end, so I kept reading for that, and I was not disappointed. So that is The Lost Man by Jane Harper.
1: That book, the setting is so ominous. And to think that people actually live like that. Like when I was little, my mother probably could have gotten me to clean my room by threatening to send me (laughs) to Australia. I mean, it is so frightening. We're basically like... Any misstep and you're dead, whether, you know, it's on purpose or, you know, by mistake. If you forget your water, if you get a flat tire, if you don't have your phone with you and you get stuck somewhere, like, that's it. The sun is going to cook you yeah. and you're done. It's it's so alarming. And I'm like, and people live here. It's it's amazing to me. Um, yeah, it so is. Those are some really great books from, I think they're all from this year. Uh, I can't yes. believe The Last Man came out this year. I feel like I read it, like, years ago now. Um but what are you going to read next? Um, so next I'm going to
2: read Thunderhead and the Toll by Neil Shusterman because earlier this year I read Scythe for the first time and I loved it so, so, so much. But I also knew that there were going to be two sequels and the third one was coming out you know, later this year. Um, It came out earlier this month, so I was kind of holding off and waiting, and then the minute The Toll came out, I was like, okay, it is time. So I just started Thunderhead, and I'm really enjoying it, and I can't wait to read The Toll after that. So it's one of the best um, series I've read in forever, so I really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I have to read The Toll still, but I did read the first two. I love them. Um, I was thinking I might get out of my pajamas and go get The Queen of Nothing by Holly Black because that is another (laughs) series that I have been waiting to finish. And we did get the gift of it being moved up from January of next year to this week. Um, But in the meantime, I'm going back to Fire Watching by Russ Thomas. I have not wanted to continue reading a a mystery uh, just without stopping in so long. And I started reading this one. It's his first novel. It's about a young police officer who investigates cold cases. Um, He gets called to an old abandoned mansion that has had a fire. They find a body in the basement, and they think it is the owner of the mansion who supposedly uh, fled criminal charges many years before. And when they bring their uh, main suspect in, it turns out to be the man that the investigator had a one-night stand with just the night before. But he can't seem to bring himself to mention it every time he thinks that, you know, he's going to be like, I have to take myself off this case because, you know, we had, you know, a, a fling last night. He can't seem to bring himself to do it, so instead he just gets dragged further and further along into the case. It reminds me a lot of The Ice House by Minette Walters, which came out many, 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 many years ago. Um, where they find a body on this property and they don't know whose it is and, and the woman's husband had been missing for many years and I, I like flew through that book and I cannot wait to get back to this one uh, it comes out in February of next year so that is all for today thank you for joining me and doing the holiday guide and thank you to our sponsors you can drop us a line at all books at bookriot.com if you would like to tell us something you can find Tears on Twitter at Tears of Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. You can find me on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and then we can rant at them about books. Uh, and as much as we would love to tell you about books out today, this is the holiday guide show, and also publishing is slowing down, so the new
0: releases are not as
1: big next week we will have the best of december roundup rebecca and i will be doing that uh, and then the best of the year shows which is lots of fun um but you can read about the titles that are out now in the show notes of today's show at book riot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the meantime happy,
0: happy reading, reading.